Welcome to another episode of the Zealous Podcast. I'm Rocky Snyder, your host. This week, I have Marty Lazon in as my guest. He is the Director of Sports Medicine and Athletic Performance for the Atlanta Hawks. He spent a number of years with the Cleveland Browns and Atlanta Falcons in the NFL, but recently has switched over the NBA. We're going to find out how that switch has been, what he's doing with the Hawks, and what it was like to work in the NFL, as well as transition into the NBA. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram. In the meanwhile, Rocky underscore Snyder, and we're going to get this conversation going right now. Marty, I can't thank you enough for coming on. This is going to be great. I already know it. You know, we, we talked before the show, and even last week we were having this great conversation and just diving in deep. And I got to say that you're following in some really kind of amazing footsteps in, in the regards to being an athletic trainer and, 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 and all the stuff that you've done through the NFL with the Cleveland Browns and Atlanta Falcons, 11 years each there, 22 years in the NFL. But then you pivoted, and now you're in the NBA with the Atlanta Hawks. I had a previous guest by the name of Al Vermeil, and Al was a coach for the Niners back in the heyday of the 80s with Montana and Young. And then he pivoted and landed with the Chicago Bulls as Jordan was making the scene there. So uh, it's, it's interesting. For, I guess that's, let's just kick that off. What is it like for 22 years of NFL, being an athletic trainer, delving into sports medicine and all that, to, to switch over to the NBA? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I think uh, it's been fun, uh, our discussions, and uh, appreciate the invite and being able to record this. I, you know, you, you never know where the opportunity leads you. That's, you know, whether you're in school or you start your first internships or you start your career, a door will always open. And the, the NBA, the door basically <laughs> it just opened. And it's a transition that, uh, that you make. And um, it's also a nice way to, you know, learn a new sport, reinvent yourself, uh, have new challenges and a new staff and learn everybody and the ways that things are going to schedule. So it's been really, uh, it's been challenging, but it's been so much fun to, and I like to say that it's kind of like you're reinventing, you know, mid career, you're pivoting. And it's been a lot of fun for me to, you know, get to know the athletes, the organization um, and, and the schedule and the, what the NBA tells. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, year two, year one was a little bit of a whirlwind, uh, but now that you know we have some time to, uh, you know, get away, plan, um, reassess some things that we've done, and then plunge now into year two. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, you go from having 16 regular season games with a potential of two or three in the postseason with the NFL, with an active roster of somewhere around 64 or so, and to to a team of what 16 on the nba yeah and but 86 games am i right no that's not quite right 82 82 82 games fewer athletes i mean that talk about an inverse relationship flip-flopping it what's that like to deal with fewer fewer athletes compared to being in the nfl no it's been uh well that's the thing you can dive in a little bit more in each guy and when i mean a little bit more it's a lot more uh, the player is really interested in knowing what you're thinking, your thought process, uh, what's best for him. The discussions are more in depth. There's more time in the office one on one. And then there's more time on the floor with the staff. So I think it leads to, and there's more times, you know, in the therapy room, there's more time in the weight room. So there's just more time to have the 
really good discussions and to try to dive into each player, uh, what's best for him. Uh, so that's been a really nice difference is just the time, the discussions, and the athletes are a little bit different, you know. And I mean, the NBA, you can get them as young as 18 because um, they, you know, it's a one year in college and then you can draft them. Or, and you can get the player that's European who's, you know, who knows three, four different languages, who's been, who's played in different countries, who comes here to the States and, you know, he's been exposed to so much. So this discussions can be in English, of course, but I'm French Canadian. Um, and I went to physical therapy school. It was a bilingual program uh, at the University of Ottawa. And there's a couple of times, you know, we're having discussions here in French and <laughs> because some of my players can speak French. So it's, it's different. Um, the athletes are different and the, the demands of course are different. We all know that, but the mentality can be um, just it's a little bit more worldly with some of these guys are from Europe. So it really lends to some interesting discussions. They've been exposed to different therapies. They've been exposed to different ways of doing things. So it's always great to have these sit downs and kind of talk about their either injury history or their present injury and how we think we're going to get them back on the, on the court. So they're really fun discussions. So that's the big difference, you know, in regards to the athlete or the number of athletes. Um, and of course the games, you know, your, your delivery system is different because now you can play three games in four nights in three different cities. So instead of delivering your uh, quality care, you're really, uh, you know, I won't say once a week or twice a week, but it's not one trip a week. It's, you know, there, there's so many games now that you have to do with daily, nightly, uh, your thought processes, you know, during the game, after the game, on the plane, you know, what happens at the hotel. What, so every day you're always kind of re-engineering that <clears throat> and making sure that the player get, you know, everything that he's hoping to get and you're doing it in the right atmosphere at the same time, you know. So that, that's a big difference, the, the trap. But um but it's fun. It's it's quite the challenge, and uh, and the athletes make it worthwhile because it's been great having these discussions with them and with the staff. It's been it's been uh, fantastic. Now, the thing that really blew me away when we were having a conversation prior was that uh, <laughs> the number of staff members, like the the amount of athletic trainers, strength coaches, assistants, um, and I don't know if we spoke of interns, but they're almost the same between NFL and NBA, even though you've got dozens more players in the NFL, yeah. you still have the same amount of staff in the NBA. That must just be a dream. Well, yeah, no, it's helpful for sure. It depends on each organization does it a little bit differently. There's some uh, staff in the NFL now that are starting to be bigger full-time, you know, five or six full-time in the training room and then two to, you know, two or three, uh, in the weight room. So the staffs are getting bigger. I think there's a better understanding now that, hey, it's hard to do it for so many athletes. Uh, some teams like to have a lot of interns too, you know, where you're, you can have six, seven interns that are also helping your staff in football. Uh, so in the NBA, to have a staff of eight or nine uh, people to take care of 16 for sure is, it's, it's helpful. Cause like I said, you can really kind of really dive into the more into each player um, and, and, and get into what they want and the crux of what they want to talk about, what they want to be heard about and how you can deliver the service. So it's been, it's been a nice adjustment for sure. 
So being able to do that and also the agent, the agent in the NBA is involved. Um, uh, not that he isn't in the NFL, but you talk to agents a lot more in the NBA. There's a, there's a good working relationship there and, it, and it's fun to get their feedback and trying to help them, trying to help the athlete, trying to help the team. Like it's, it's, a, it's a, definitely an interesting uh, combination of all of that work. It's, it's uh, great to have these relationships and being able to build on them because, you know, your staff is really own, you know, really owned in on these guys. Whereas sometimes football, like it's busy. It's, it's, uh, there's meetings, there's lifting, there's rehab, there, you know, there's a lot going on and, and uh, you're trying to deliver the service the best way possible in a certain amount of time where we have well, a little bit more time in the NBA, a little bit, obviously less guys. So it tends to be a really good atmosphere that we can really work together. Yeah, well, you're really delivering a solid product if it's if we could just compare to your previous accomplishments. I mean, with the Atlanta Falcons, you guys had the least amount of injuries for a long run while you were with them, correct? <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, it was good run over that uh, being the healthiest team over 10 years over that span, you know, always being one of the top teams that's been uh, yeah it's very rewarding you know everybody tries to deliver the service but um, it was it was fun seeing that um, that study of injuries come out a games man lost last year to, to see that we did you know the staff uh, we did do a good job from the coaching staff to scouting to you know GM everybody was such on the same page of trying to stay healthy and, and try to do it you know it's so multifactorial but it was fun to um, we were able to do something, um, you know, that was worthwhile for the athletes. That's for sure. Yeah. Now <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to spend too much time with the NFL. I really want to dive into the NBA, but I'm curious you're with the Browns for a decade at least. And you're with the Falcons for a decade, at least Browns. You, I, I don't know, maybe you made it to the playoffs two, potentially three times during that time. I, I can't really recall maybe <laughs> once. <laughs> yeah, we made it one time. One time, okay. But the Falcons, that's a different story. So yeah. what, was, what was the culture like? Um, when you went to work, was there a, a palpable, was there a noticeable difference in, in your memory as to when you went to work with the Browns or was it the same as when you went to work with the, the Falcons or, or was the culture completely different? Like any place, you know, winning breeds that atmosphere and we did have in cleveland we uh we did have amazing people work there and i'll never forget my time there just really special people that worked there and we worked hard uh to to, to stay together and bond together and unfortunately that did not necessarily mean wins on the field but some of my you know long life lifelong friends are are you know work we all worked together in cleveland and we made some really special friendships there you know, in Atlanta, when you have, we had really, you know, special players from, you know, Matt Ryan, Roddy White, Michael Turner, Julio Jones, like, uh, it, it just, it, you start winning games, it really breeds that, you know, uh, atmosphere of like, of, of winning. So, uh, you know, when organizations start, you know, feeling that, and when players start feeling and tasting winning and what it looks like, what it feels like, the amount of work you have to put in, you know, it's a, it's contagious that way. So I think that was, you know, more palpable in players, but I think that's every organization when you start getting on a roll, uh, you can feel that, 
uh, no different here last year. Uh, the season before last when, you know, we started playing really, really well, coming together in the playoffs and going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you can feel that. You can feel the momentum shift. You can feel it sometimes in a game shift. And sometimes you feel it over a span of a month, you know, where things just start clicking. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's, yeah, no, it's definitely a special feeling. Like any atmosphere, it's fun to work in those atmospheres where, you know, guys really want to get out there and everybody's pushing that same, you know, it's like any business when everyone is pushing the same direction. Well, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot. But what about the pressure on you in your role? Do you sense that like as the wins accumulate, there's a little bit more pressure or, yeah, or, or does that not exist? There's always that level of responsibility and professionalism, of course, but do you, do you feel it waver at times? I, am I asking that right? I, I, no, you know no, I, I, that, I think, right? you know, honestly, in, in sports, and I think, uh, you know, people can relate to that, you know, there's pressure both ways, right? If you don't win, then there's pressure of change, possible change uh, that could be coming, you know, from not only the head coach, the general manager, but also your staff can be affected. I was affected, you know, and that's how change happens. Um, and then when you play, when you win, that's the other side of it, where there might be more pressure of like, hey, we need, you know, players available because now we're so close. But, you know, you can only control what you can control. And that's, you know, how you react and how you are with the players. And if you let all that outside noise really bother you, it'll bother your staff. That will translate to the players. You know, we each have our own little things to deal with. The players have their you know, their own contracts, their own family situations, their own playing time. We have the same, you know, our contracts, our, you know, delivery assistant. Like, so all you can do is control you. And I think over the years, you, as you get older, you understand that. And, and you want to be there for your staff. As a director, I try to understand, you know, like a staff member, has, is he single, is he married, or is she married? They have kids, you know, like, you just want to help them. You want to help them keep their eye on that. That's the most important thing is family. And the atmosphere here has to, to be positive and be conducive to that. Whether you're at one end of the spectrum or the other, you know, you're just trying to look out for your staff and making sure that, hey, let's, you know, hey, let's deliver. We're doing something special. It's a privilege to work in pro sports. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy being around one another. We've spent a lot of time with one another. Let's enjoy delivering the service to the players making sure it's a great atmosphere and that's all you can control. So whether, you know, you may fear loss of job or you, you know, you're really getting close to uh, getting close to a championship, like all you can do is try to stay. That's what I've tried to do. Um, and that's what, you know, my mentors or my dad or, you know, my family's always said, just like control what you can. That's, that's all you can do. The rest, you know, you're just hoping to, that your staff is good and that you can and you can continue doing what you love doing. Well, you mentioned your dad, but you also mentioned mentors outside of your dad. Who, who are some of those? Uh, do you have? Yeah, you know? no, I think, you know, I was at the University of Ottawa uh, in the physical therapy school. and I met our uh, the head trainer at the time, Dave Barry, uh, just uh, him just tell me, hey, you feel like uh <laughs> work helping out in football you know like what and it just and then we became you know lifelong friends and Dave was 
just gave me such a love for, you know, athletic training and physical therapy and working with teams and developing a core relationship that you're going to spend a lot of time with people in the training room or in, in the rehab room, be friends with, them, you know, and Dave was amazing. I just, uh, just being such a good, good person. Um, and then I was recruited to the United States uh, by Byron Hansen, uh, who's at the time at USC. And, uh, you know, my first job was in LA. <laughs> and, uh, Byron, to this day, stays in touch and uh, always wishes me well and always looks out for me, always wants to make sure I'm okay as a person first. And then after that, we talk about, uh, you know, jobs, but it's always, you know, me as a person. I've always appreciated him. Him and his uh, wife, Lori, were basically, you know, surrogates to me. <laughs> my first thank American Thanksgiving was with them. My first, all my holidays out there, my English wasn't very good at the time. <laughs> so they were so nice, so generous. I mean, you know, Dave and, and, uh, and, and Byron were so uh, crucial to me for my development, whether it was in Canada or in the United States. Um, and also their techniques and how they approach people, I mean, and how good of people they are. Uh, you know, whether you're in, in this type of business, uh, you, you can't be too cynical about it. You got to be yourself. And those guys really, uh, they were great uh, along the way to, to show me that. And to, to this day, you know, remain friends and always being in touch and, you know, hoping the best for one another. I, that means so much. Uh, so, you know, just there's always been special people at every different places, you know. Uh, yeah. So I always appreciated that, whether it was in the NFL, you know, uh, general manager Phil Savage in Cleveland giving me my opportunity to be a head uh, trainer and, he was just, again, you know, still friends to this day. And uh, Dan Quinn, the head coach here in uh, Atlanta, was just a, you know, really good person and a, an enthusiasm for connecting with people and making me a better therapist that way. Just trying to always connect with people, trying to find what, you know, people will tell you who they are. You have to listen. You know, he used to say that. And you're just trying to get to know these guys and trying to connect with them and, so there's been people, not only in therapy, but in different branches, you know, uh, Thomas Dimitrov, general manager here, brought me down here in Atlanta, gave me a great opportunity, um, a good friend, you know, so it's always these things that come up where it's not just a mentor for, you know, therapy, but a mentor in life too, and opportunities as well. But obviously, uh, you know, you're where you are because of your parents. So my mom and dad uh, always, you know, believing and, and, and trying to, tell me yay the shortest point between a and b is a straight line so what's your next move what do you want to do plan your work work your plan like always you know being so loving but also very supportive when it was time to do internships not getting paid you know in the summer yeah you know whether it was in the canadian football league or the league of football uh back then and just different things i wanted to do or spend a summer out at usc um they were so supportive you know it was just so important to have uh, uh, their love and support that that it makes you want to go for it. It makes you want to go the distance, you know, for them. Um, so it, it was great. Um, you know, the first time they came down to say USC, UCLA football game, you know, from Montreal down to LA uh, to be part of that. And uh, their first game in the NFL, uh, you know, <laughs> their son's working in the NFL. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, a bit surreal, crazy. For them, but 
yeah, and they see me on the field, and it was just uh, our first game in Cleveland was against Pittsburgh at home and in 1999, and it's for them to see that. So all these little things, you know, it's so much fun to pay that back to them. You know, it was so uh, it's such a special feeling to pay it back. Sure. Now they see you sitting courtside at NBA games. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, my and dad so, hasn't watched as much basketball in a long time. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, I want to talk about injuries because we brought that up a little bit. And common ones, inversion sprains, high hamstring pull, lower back aggravation. I mean, um, other ones that pop up that are pretty prevalent aside from those? Yeah, you know, uh, knee patella tendonitis, always a big one in, in basketball. How to how to help that? Some Achilles, Achilles soreness, Achilles tendonitis as well. I think you know, with the ankle issues and some of the knee injuries you can have, you know, MCLs. Uh, I think you you really see a lot of that uh, in basketballs, and because of the amount of games. And I and know that. Uh, there, well, there's certain protocols historically, right? When we're talking about, well, whether it be physical therapy or any type of therapy, there's, they, they take one segment of the body and the knee's bothering them. Okay, here's the protocol for knee pain. Here's it for ankle pain. Here's for lower back or whatever the case may be. Do you, do you break away from the protocols to some degree and go, okay, this individual, uh, their mechanics are what we really need to be looking at? Or what's, how do you enter into problem solving? Yeah, the problem solve is always, it's a whole team approach, right? So the whole staff, and that's what's important, you know, uh, is to not create silos. So it's really to work together, whether it's, you know, from the, our, our physical therapist, our athletic trainer, our head trainer, our head strength coach, you know, it's just everybody coming in together and having an input of what they're seeing. Because uh, sometimes, you, you know, you think you may see it all, but you don't. And you got to take everybody's input. So you want to get the doctor's input, want to get his take on, you know, the pathology, his thoughts on it from uh, a medical perspective. Uh, we're going to use biologics here or not. You know, what's the expected time length? And then after that, you kind of get into each individual because, you know, the same injury is going to react differently as, you know, to one player to the next. So getting to know that guy, his physical limitations, what is hampering some movement, and then uh, what can we do to better, you know, his situation, his current condition. So then you can really dive on, you know, ankle positioning, knee positioning, hip positioning, lumbar. So then we can really get into it. So these discussions happen daily and they're great to see, you know, little things that each can bring to the table and these discussions, of course, um, involve the athlete because uh, the athlete might have had that in the past. And you hear that a lot where the athlete says, hey, I've had this injury four years ago and I was, you know, I was playing in Italy or I had this before I was playing with another team. You know, they had this approach. And what are your thoughts? So it's always important to include him and say, hey, look, this was, you know, this is what we're thinking. If you like doing this, let's add this. Let's take this component. This is why we're going to do that. And so educating the player daily on what the plan is, the approach is, and why we're doing it. You know, are we doing something to change a little bit of the fulcrum at the knee or at the ankle? You got to explain that to them. And that, that's the best way. Hey, you get compliancy, but you also get results. 
but it's it's really a nice discussion of everybody's involved including the athlete of why we're gonna get to where we have to get you know and, and after is, that, to keep everybody in the loop about it you know is this done courtside or in a treatment room or is it in the gym where does this typically occur when you get all of the professionals with the player you know, typically we do this, um, we have a conference room here at the uh, facility, so we like to, to meet, you know, each morning, um, or if we're on the road, then it'll happen in the treatment room uh, at the hotel, and then we can, we have these discussions as a staff, um, but, you know, they happen on the plane, they, <laughs> they, they happen on the bus, it's very organic, where you get an idea, and you want to get it out there, and, and you just start meeting, start talking about a player and start talking about what could help a certain delivery system, either for the team or the player. Um, so these, we try to have these discussions as, you know, you try to have them organized in the morning. So we're all on the same page as some things we thought about, but organically the staff is great to just bring in things. If we're having dinner together, Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? So they can happen at a staff dinner. They can happen uh, after a game. Uh, you know, at the arena. So especially if a player has an injury that night, then we really, you know, break it down as a staff that, hey, here's the plan. In regards to tomorrow, player's going to get some imaging, he's going to see Doc again. And then, you know, we'll have maybe a better, uh, clearer understanding of, you know, the exact pathology. We have an idea, but now we're going to get a little bit more nitty gritty into it. And we start already thinking about some things. And then the next day, once our doctor has, you know, more of a clearer picture or real input. Now, you know, there's some things you talked about that you are going to uh, put right into that process. And there's some things you haven't thought about that you're going to add. So that's when it's a more formal discussions. But it's been great with the staff just kind of having these uh, uh, discussions. You know, this morning I hadn't seen some of the guys in the in, uh, in, in a couple of weeks because, you know, now it's off season. Guys take time off. So just reconnecting with uh, my head trainer, my head strength coach, and just uh, talking about some of the guys and, and uh, some of the things that we thought about each on our own coming together and say, okay, hey, when guys come back, how about this for this guy? How about that? So it's fun how they just, it can be formal, it can be informal, but we're all always thinking about the player and what's the best thing for him. So they're, they're fun discussions for sure. Very cool. Now, when, when I've asked professionals in the past, coaches and whatnot, what's the, what tool is your, is your primary tool? And they'll say their eyes and their voice, right? Or, or their hands, if they're more in, in line with therapy. What are your tools, aside from those that I just mentioned, what other tools are in your toolbox for you and your staff? Um, I think the best, I mean, for me, one of the things I do well is connecting with guys. And I think um, that's important because you have to connect with the player, their agent, with their family. You have to explain, you know, uh, what's happening with the process of what we're going to uh, go through to get some results. And I think whether, and I learned that, um, you know, from going from the NFL to the NBA, yeah, it's a different sport, the different positional demands, all that stuff, right? But an athlete is still an athlete. He wants to be heard. He wants to have a voice. He wants to know you care. He wants to know you're trying and he wants your best. And, you know, you want his best at the same time. So that's what you realize. And I think it's, um, it's, it's something that allowed me when I first got here from 
being a consultant position to developing in a full-time position was just uh, uh, the experience of relating to players, talking to players, uh, explaining things, you know, educating them, uh, which is always important. That's at the end of the day, you want people educated on what they have. So yes, we, I'm a manual therapist, I'm a manual physical therapist. Um, and we do have, you know, a variety of modalities, uh, like everyone out there that we like, um, and our, our strength staff, they do a great job and they have things that they go to. And I think we all have our own set of skills or eyes or testing, retesting that we all do. Uh, but at the end of the day, for me, I think is connecting, is talking, is trying to, uh, find out, uh, you know, they're why, you know, why are you doing that? And, um, and explaining mine. So I think finding common ground and, and getting to know the guys, I think is, is, as you know, you know, the better relationships, I think the, the better outcomes. And I think uh, sometimes we, uh, we can get lost in a little bit of that. And, uh, you know, in what we do, you're just trying to say, okay, hey, okay, let's get better. <laughs> you know, whether we're in private practice, we're in sports. Okay, we gotta get back on the court. Okay, we gotta get you to get up and down the stairs. <laughs> you know, but I think, you know, we've all been patients before, you know, and we want to be heard. So I think sometimes as practitioners, we're really quick on trying to tell people, hey, here's a path that we're gonna do for real or to get you back. But you can't forget to listen and listen. And they give you so much input, you know. And um, if they feel heard, then you're going to get something. And I think, well, you, I think we do that well. Yeah, you've got to be obviously quite tactful and diplomatic when scenarios occur where the player feels like they, they're ready to return to play, but evidence is contradictory to that. Yeah. Or, or maybe there's pressure from different factions within the organization to get this person back on the court or back on the field and you're going, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I mean, I'm sure you've encountered those. How is that? Yeah, I, you know, you, I think you encounter that personally. I counted that, not that you encounter, but it, you see that at the start of your career where you're trying, you're trying to impress and yet you're also trying to listen and you're trying to, you know, you, there's so much going on. Uh, doctor guidelines, team needs, you know, you're trying to impress, yet you're trying to listen to the player. And But I think as you get older, the more really objective process you have, the more you can present that to everyone and include everyone. Hey, here's the, you know, here's some of the preseason testing. Now the player is hurt. We're trying to match all this preseason testing for, you know, whether it's time on court, or minutes, or, you know, length of court, or speed, or all these things that you're trying to match. Football, the same thing, you know, plays, amount of reps in practice, amount of reps in games, speed zones, all the things that you can watch, all these wearables that give us so much data. So if you're able to present that and say, hey, look, this is where we were at that preseason or pre-injury. Here's the injury. Here's what the process is going to look like. And here are some of the numbers that we need to match or better, of course, for the player to return. Once, if you're able to present that from the get-go and you do a good job of explaining that, it takes a lot of this stuff out. And it, you know, then you, the player knows you're going to put your best foot forward to get him back out there very safely. Management understands the timeline. Management 
understand coaching understand okay these numbers have to be matched i get that and it's also easy to say hey this is really good but this isn't as good so we're still waiting a little bit on this and people understand that and when you put a player back in practice if he looks good i understand that sometimes you know uh, everybody wants him out there but if you have uh, here was our plan and here are the things that we had to hit then it's it's way easier to explain that to everybody because now everybody from ownership down and a player in his age, everybody understands. So it makes it a lot um, more comprehensive. Your approach is more comprehensive. Everybody's on the same page. And it takes a lot of that noise out. Honestly, it really does. So I think, um, you know, it's always that. Provide the information up front. Preseason testing, that's where you, a lot of that comes in, you know, when you return apply. And if you don't, you know, if you're at the high school level, you don't have the amount of staff or you can't do uh, a lot of testing, then it's like, well, left to right, right to left, you know, whether it's single leg press or, you know, anything that you can find that says, okay, left to right, right to left, here are the deficits, this is what we're looking at, single leg hop, triple leg hop, like all the stuff that we know. If you're able to present it and say, hey, we're here now, we're trying to get here, this is why player cannot return, or this is why player can return. And then you can explain that to the player. Look, we matched that or to the agent or to his parents. Uh, so I, I, that's where uh, data or things really come, uh, measurables come uh, to play because you're just trying to make what's the best decision possible. And you're trying to make, you know, everybody on the same page. And that's the, now, once you do that, you know, you're in a good place. <laughs> nice. Now, speaking of like uh, data collection, there's so many software programs. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, do you have one that, that collects it all between the PT, the AT, the strength coach, uh, the nutritional coach, uh, the dietitian, sleep coach, whatever, they, whatever you have at your disposal, are you all encompassed on one or are they, are they different softwares that don't necessarily communicate? Just, just kind of thinking about that. Yeah, no, I think that's why there's so many... Um companies now that have these platforms that you know collect all this data and they can you know rearrange it for you and I think that's important because you know what you're trying to avoid is silos you're trying to avoid you know everybody's doing their own thing no one's talking about it so uh, it's really helpful when you are all connected whether it's at the NFL level NBA or high school level if everybody's on the same page and understand the the what you're trying to get to it's it's uh, it's much better so now we have a we have a, an in-house system here that uh, our IT guys are great putting it together and um, so that we can all be connected that way and, and talk about you know the player and what's important or any kind of changes and we also do it mechanically all of us together in the morning uh, you know face to face so but all, some of that a lot of that data is collected and if you keep it separate, I think it's really hard to have at the end of the day, a really uh, good product. So, uh, but that's why there's so many companies now <laughs> doing those, those uh, software platforms. So are you finding trends in regards to potential for injury? I imagine you do, but uh, let's just take high hamstring pull or uh, patella tendonitis, better yet, because that's the one you brought up. Are there precursors? Are there indicators? based on some assessments, testing, or output of their own 
training routine that you're there's little red flags that come up in their profile going okay they're these metrics have been reached unfortunately they are at a higher incident rate this needs attention yeah well you know um the injury history is important obviously that's the one good reflection of you know you're looking at the player's mirror right there uh what they've been through so far and then when a player comes here, they have a battery of testing that they go through when they become a Hawk. So uh, from imaging to uh, all the testing we do with them, it gives us an idea now of where to you know, uh, focus our attention in regards to making sure that uh, uh, tendonitis, whether it's left, right, or bilateral, doesn't come back if we take that example. So imaging is helpful, uh, but also testing is helpful to see what output left to right, right to left, bilateral, um, unilateral, put them in different situations, different uh, things that we like to do with them, uh, whether it's force plate, whether it's uh, it's in the weight room, whether like all the different things to see and getting their feedback too. Um, there's their history and what helped them in the past or what's helping them right now. I think just putting all that together, it can be as wide and complex as you make it, but if you bring it together and you really uh, get to know the player, I think you get a lot of uh, information that way on how to best address it and how to make sure that there is, you know, you're going to increase his uh, productivity for this year and how he feels this year, but you're also trying to, you know, help his longevity uh, in the, in the sport. So I think players, you know, once you explain that, Hey, we're looking at this year, we're looking at next year, we're looking at three years down the road. You know, if we start doing these little things, they buy in because they know that you care for them now, but also for them in a certain amount of years. So um, just we put players through uh, uh, their own paces here and um, it really gives us a lot of information after that, you know, then you got to go through the, the, uh, the season and then the season's a different uh, stressor in itself. <laughs> that's uh, that's for sure. Well, I know within the NFL, the, the height mm -hmm. of injuries on the field typically occur in preseason or the first couple of weeks of the season, partly because for, for several reasons, but one, a condensed preseason yeah. based on NFL PA rules and, and whatnot, uh, doesn't allow for uh, a long enough conditioning period to maybe um, keep the injury rates down. What's it like with the NBA? You know, the NBA, we, I mean, it'd be this year will be a real, you know, the NBA hasn't had a true off season in a few years due to COVID, due to different, you know, scheduling. So COVID's kind of wrecked that a little bit. This year we're getting back to more of a regular off season, which means that the preseason, it is, isn't as long. You're playing four preseason games, kind of like the NFL. Uh, NFL overall training camp, you're looking at about, you know, preseason, you look about six weeks type six to seven uh, so the nba a little about four or five weeks you know six weeks but a lot of guys came back early last year just to get back on the floor get back to working with us uh, so this year we're expecting guys back in um you know late august early september and that helps us put at least three good four weeks of our own foundation what they have to do, get used to the practice and our lift and just get back in the swing of things uh, after either, you know, spending a few months, you know, resting or uh, a lot of guys or 
you know, rehabbing or working with their own trainers. Uh, a lot of guys now have a place to work out in the off season and they have somebody they work with or, or have a nutritionist or a chef. So just getting back to us and then kind of mixing some of their stuff with our stuff and just making sure that now that we're getting back to getting them ready uh, to play and the season that's coming upon us. So um, it's nice that the guys want to be in town, that's for sure. So when they come back a little bit early, obviously it gives you some ramp up time. And as the NFL is finding out, the more ramp up time, the better. So I think, and guys are smart about it too. And I think guys try to, um, in, in basketball, it's kind of a little bit more open that way where guys can come back. In the NFL, you know, you really have, that's why they have the OTAs and it breaks at mid-June and then mid-July, you're starting back up again for camp. So a lot of guys take that month, you know, to go back away. So that's the difference with the NBA where, you know, you have the off season, you can break here right after the season, but guys start coming back a little earlier. So I think we have a little bit more ramp up time, um, which, which, which is kind of nice. I'm looking forward to it this year being more of a structured way than the last couple of years with COVID. Yeah, I imagine there's going to be quite a few changes now that you're, we're coming out of the bubble, so to speak. But uh, some things must be remaining, like uh, you're not completely doing an about face. What are the still, what are the challenges that you're coming across entering this, this next season? Well, you know, getting to know the new players, getting to know what yeah. makes them, you know, that, and that's always a new thing, right? So now you, you, we just got uh, done with the draft. We got a couple of young guys and, you know, uh, they're really young, uh, 18. And then you, you traded for a guy. So now he comes in, you trade for another guy. He comes in, trade for another. So now just how do these guys uh, come in, work together and also work with us? So getting to know them, we already had some FaceTime with them, uh, but now it's going to be the day-to-day -day, uh, getting to know them. And that's always the thing each year is to get to know your new players, make sure they adjust well, make sure that, you know, you can help them all you can so they can just focus on their, on, on basketball. Um, and then, so the rest of them is really organized well, whether it's away from the court or with their family. And so they can, when they're here, they can focus on this. So that's always a challenge of getting to know them, uh, getting to when the schedule comes out, understanding the schedule, understanding what it looks like, the amount of trips, uh, the back-to-backs, the different things like that, that we uh, look at as a staff and try to help the coaches in, in that decision-making process where, you know, here's some trips, here's a, here's a block of four games in six nights or three games in four or back-to-backs or in two different cities. And so then that's when we can try to get together and really try to help um, you know, minimize some of the effects of, of not only the wear and tear of the game, but also the travel. So sure. every year has got its own, you know, set of, uh, set of, uh, human things that, you know, the guys clicking together, guys working together, us working with them. And then, you know, the mechanical side of the logistics, uh, which is the schedule and the travel and the game. So there's always these new challenges that you have to look at and try to plan for and try to plan for as a team. Okay, just non sequitur. I'm thinking we've got, uh, when we're recording this right now, the Major League Baseball All-Star Games tonight, but you've got All-Star Game in the NBA. How does that work with your staff? Uh, do you, do, and for the NBA, do you, 
is there like an all-star director of sports rehab? Is there an all-star athletic trainer, all-star PT, all-star strength coach that go to the game too? How does that work behind the scenes when we talk about the all-star game? Yeah, behind the scenes, the uh, the, the whole city, you know, you're going to work as a staff. A couple of years ago, uh, uh, Atlanta was the site. Uh, last year was in Cleveland. So the host team uh, takes care of one side and then um, usually they decide if, you know, if that team's in first place that year, or the year before the coaching staff goes, can bring their own uh, staff um, in the NFL for the pro bowl was always the, you know, the highest seed that gets eliminated first goes to the pro bowl. So it's um, every league has a little bit different wrinkle uh, to it. But uh, in the uh, NBA last year, uh, we sent one of our staff members with, uh, with one of our guys. So just, every guy has a little bit of that personal touch that uh, he can enjoy having somebody from the staff there for him uh, to take care of him before, uh, before the game. So uh, that's kind of how it works. So you can have, you know, 17 guys there with 17 different you know, <laughs> staff member. And then you got the host team uh, that's uh, helping out, you know, managing the game itself. So it's kind of interesting. Um, mix of guys but it's definitely a great uh, experience one of my staff members went last year really had a good time in cleveland and, and get to know other trainers it's a good way to know other guys around the league and get to see some of these players too you know it's it's a lot of fun to to see we went to uh Stefano, in 2011, we were able to go to the Pro Bowl in Hawaii, and we had a lot of fun there, getting to know some of the, you know, players from all over the league and getting to, you know, experience the, the game itself and getting to know some other guys. So it was fun to do that. So they're really unique experiences. And, uh, you know, I always tell young staff members or uh, I talked to Combine a couple of guys, if you have a chance to go, do it. I mean, it's such a, it's such a unique event unique characters, unique event, unique things. Like it's, it's just so much fun. Yeah, that's great. Now, is there a network of individuals like yourself in your position amongst the NBA where you, you get together or is it somewhat just when time comes and you contact one another? But I know other sports organizations have like a strength coach organization for that particular sport. Does it work the same way in the NBA for you? Yeah, same thing. We have uh, the NBATA, the Trainers Association. Uh, we have meetings at the Combine every year. And, you know, you can really develop some really good relationships with the guys. Uh, the NFL, the Trainers Association. So every league has their Trainer Association and then the Strength Coaches Association. Those It allows you to meet. It allows you to uh, have continued education, get to know guys uh, and network. But also, I mean, some of the con ed is, is uh, pretty good, pretty advanced. And some of the speakers uh, this year in Chicago at the uh, NBA Combine were excellent. So it's a good way to really uh, talk more about what's, you know, in the NBA, what's going on right now, and having speakers that can help us deal with some of the things that we deal with. So it's, uh, it's really a unique way to get some good continuing education and some things that can affect us right now. So it's, uh, it, that's, it's definitely an advantage being part of a professional league and professional association like that. Nice. Okay. One of my final questions here kind of takes me to the dinner table every night when we go around as a family, talk about best and worst of your day. But for you and your position, Marty, 
what's what's the highlight? What's the best part of your position? And what would you say is the worst? Uh, well, the best part, you know, this morning, just uh, having one of our guys in and doing some things with him in uh, the therapy room, then the weight room and seeing uh, how well he had progressed um, and how well he's doing. I think that's always a highlight and seeing uh, the player smile. I know it sounds basic, but then, you know, that we've put a good plan together and things are coming together. So I love that. I love that, you know, connect with my guys, my staff, and then connect with my staff and connect with the player and then seeing it all happen like on the floor. So that to me is why we get into this, right? Uh, so whether you're in private practice or high school or college, like when you see it come together and you see the reaction of the player, to me, uh, that's always the best part of my professional day. Uh, best part of my personal day is always seeing my kids. That's for sure. <laughs> that's a change. Uh, nice. Seeing them and, and because they just want to hang out with that. You know, they love some of the basketball stories, but they also just want to hang out. And that's the that's really the, the, the two best parts. I think the you know um, tough part is just I think like anybody, just when you uh, you know if there's a tough injury or a tough uh, situation to deal with, just you know uh, that's like anyone. But I think there's always that side of it where you can talk to your staff, lean on your staff, get advice, you know talk to a mentor. So even though you can have a difficult situation, it always opens a door for a positive one where you can lean on someone, you can get advice, you can reach out or someone reaches out to you. So it can be, it can be a tough situation, it can be stressful, but uh, sometimes, you know, we make it more stressful and we stress about it more in our head than really is going on in real life. And I think that's why if you have good staff members and you have good relationships, that stressful situation can also become something that becomes a positive because you can really reach out and somebody can be there for you. And, uh, and yeah, the, the tough always leads to good. Right you know, on. Try to deal that way, you know. Yeah. No, well said. Well, this time has flown by. I can't believe it. This is just amazing. I appreciate uh, I, you, man. Oh, I appreciate you too and your time and your availability. And I'd love to have you back on later and we'll Absolutely. just kind of see how the, how the season's progressing and and how it is with their your 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 crew and everything else that would be fantastic. Yeah, man, I'd love it, and uh, I appreciate you sending uh, sending me your book. I'm looking forward to diving in and to continuing our uh, offline discussions. I think uh, I think it's great, man. I appreciate your time and I appreciate all the discussion that we've had. And you know, now um, yeah, looking forward to your book. <laughs> right on. And that's a wrap for Zealous. I would be lying if I didn't say I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Marty and looking forward to the next time we have him on as a guest and uh, just wish him and the Hawks luck in the upcoming season. Be sure you tune in next week when we have another amazing guest and be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Tell your friends. Take care. <laughs>